Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. Thank you so much for stopping by today. We are on episode 153. So if you want any of today's show notes, please go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 153. And you will definitely want to go there today. Why? Well, today I have an amazing resource for you. Actually, Lene Elvis, the president of Interview Like an Expert, has an amazing resource for you. And that free resource, mind you, is called Interview Like an Expert, Top 5 Tips to Boost Your LinkedIn Profile Views. And let me tell you these tips. I've actually downloaded it and read it. I love it. They're not just for you if you need a job. So just quick wink, wink, what you're gonna hear about in today's episode is really a lot about how to conduct interviews. So if you're a nonprofit or if you're a freelance grant writer and you wanna hire someone, so even if that's a consultant, how you conduct the interviews, but also on the flip side, if you're looking for a position or a job, or if you're a freelancer and you're getting, you know, interviews with nonprofit potential clients. Um, She also gives you great tips on how to respond during those times. I know if you're anything like me, sometimes I'm like, my palms get a little sweaty. You know, I go in, I'm meeting with a new client or a potential client, and I know they're going to ask specific questions, but sometimes they definitely catch me off guard, right, with some of the things. So this is to prep you. But on the other side of this podcast interview today. So if you're like, I'm not looking for a job or I'm not a freelancer, I'm pitching my services, so I don't need to listen to this. Yes, you do. Because everyone listening to this podcast, nonprofit leaders, aspiring freelance grant writers, um, even those who are interns or professional services like teachers, you guys all need to have an excellent profile on LinkedIn. All right. LinkedIn is really the major social media platform for many professionals right now today. So she is going to also talk about, and this freebie will also talk about how you position yourself and boost your LinkedIn profile views. Okay. So whether or not you're looking for a position, people are always checking you out, right? And a lot of people now, instead of going to even websites, they go to your LinkedIn profile. Now, if it's just crickets over there. It doesn't really say anything about you. You just don't really look like you have credibility, right? Let's be honest, guys. Um, (laughs) Not shaming anyone, but let's just be honest on how the human brain works. So she is great. Lene Alves, once again, is on the podcast today, and she's all the way in Chicago. So it was a lot of fun to um, interview her, of course, virtually. And I also have the video on YouTube. So if you are more of a watching kind of person, definitely check out grant writing and funding on YouTube. Um, But you guys are really going to get some good tips today, even if it's one thing to make your LinkedIn profile more of a rock star, like, you know, potential with people boosting your views and just um, having more credibility there. It's definitely worth the listen. All right, guys. So as we're into 2021, just giving you all a ooh, ooh, and let's go ahead and um, without further ado, let's introduce 
Miss Lene Alves, and once again, visit grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 153 so you can get your free resource, uh, interview like an expert, top five tips to boost your LinkedIn profile views. All right, guys. And I have a fantastic guest with me today, Miss Lene Alves. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. And we actually, this is fun because we're both enrolled in a same course together. So as I tell all of you guys, like, you know, try out different courses and, you know, actually invest in your personal and professional development. I do the same thing. <laughs> so does Lene here as well. There you so, go. Yeah. So we're in an Amy Porterfield uh, course, which I highly recommend all of you to listen to Amy Porterfield. If you guys want to increase anything you're doing online, as far as your list building, et cetera, she is fantastic. Um, so we were able to meet in this group, Lene and I, and we have both similar backgrounds as far as reaching nonprofits and working with nonprofits. So anyways, I just want to say once again, thank, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. And yeah, thank so thank yeah. you. Practicing what you preach. I love <laughs> it. Right, I love that's it. That's right. That's right. We do it too. So I'm just going to go ahead and read Lene's uh, bio before we start in today's show. She's really fantastic. I can't wait to hear her story and her to share it with you guys and to give you guys some great tips, especially on leadership, HR, hiring, navigating your way in career, et cetera. This is going to be a fantastic show. So buckle in. So Lene Elvis is a successful career coach and business coach. She helps individuals effectively position their skills and experience and also provides guidance on job search strategies, interviewing skills, and mindset strategies. And I love this, you guys, because a lot of you nonprofit leaders out there these are questions I get, right? Like, how do I know when to hire? How do, there's a job pool out there. How do I reach the right people who can really advance our non nonprofit? And a lot of you guys, as far as freelance grant writers or freelance uh, nonprofit consultants, you're also looking at these different ways, right? How can I increase my mindset strategies and how do I effectively build my company? So Lene is also a consultant to businesses and nonprofit organizations and has partnered with them on improving their hiring practices and improving their sales strategies. She recently served for six months as interim director of development for a U.S. nonprofit with locations across the country. She worked directly with the leadership team, the development manager, and a grant writer to improve outreach strategies and lay a foundation for growth in donations and support. Lene developed her skills during her 21 or 29, excuse me, your career in corporate America. She recruited, interviewed, and hired top talent at Fortune 50 and 500 companies, as well as a startup company that went global. She ran sales teams for organizations and including the Chicago Tribune, Apartments.com, Living Social, and Comcast. Lene is currently serving as the career coach for CBS2 Chicago and works with the news team to create weekly segments focused on job search tips and strategies for consumers. She received her degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and is a member of the Chicago Writers Association and the Arlington Heights Chamber of Commerce. So um, yes, welcome once again, Renee. I can't wait to get started on all these tips and everything for nonprofits. All right, let's dig in. <laughs> let's dig in. All right, so before we kind of get there, 
And you give us some great tips on job search, on hiring, especially during this time of COVID um, when a lot of people are employed. So some people are saying the job pool has actually expanded quite a bit. So how can we kind of navigate this? Um, but first, I kind of just want to start with your story. We heard a little bit about it in your bio, but not really the why, pretty much the what, but I want to hear the why behind how you kind of traveled through corporate America and then working more with nonprofits and everything from your home base in Chicago. So please. Yes. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, when I graduated from the University of Illinois, I, um, I graduated in broadcast journalism, but I didn't want to do that for my profession. And mm -hmm. I had an interview on campus and got this job at the Chicago Tribune. And I didn't even really understand what I was going to be doing. I knew it was going to be sales, but that's as much <laughs> as I knew. Was it going to be inside sales, outside sales? Who was I going to sell to? And I had a wonderful career there. I worked there for 19 years. I like to say I, knew, I learned everything I know in, about business really there. That was such a wonderful foundation for me. So I sold and then I moved into the management team. And when I moved into the management ranks there, mm -hmm. that was um, my first exposure into recruiting and hiring. I was the recruiting manager for a 100 member outside sales team. Oh, wow. As well as a, a manager for... A, a smaller uh, team downtown of salespeople. Mm -hmm. And so that was when this all started and it really um, was something I enjoyed and I found I was quite good at. Mm -hmm. uh, so I finished up my career at the Tribune and decided to actually take a buyout when we had a, um, uh, a comp somebody else buying our company. I thought it was a good time to leave and I tried to start a business back mm -hmm. then and it didn't go anywhere. So I went when was back this? into corporate and that was about 2007. I left the okay. company and in okay. 2008, I started at apartments.com and started working in online um, businesses and um, built my experience there and continued on from there through a number of different online companies and then eventually landed at Comcast uh, on the cable advertising side. So my whole career, I spent in media advertising sales, but the through line um, from that first management role was mm -hmm. this recruiting and hiring piece that I really enjoyed. And so once I left Comcast, which was in 2017, mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to start a business and try another business again. And so here I am, I've done it. And I realized at that moment that the thing that I was most passionate about was this hiring recruiting and coaching people on that. So whether I'm coaching businesses or whether I'm coaching individuals, I love helping people optimize this process. And as you mentioned, I had the wonderful opportunity to serve as the interim director of development for a large nonprofit, a national nonprofit that happens to be based um, just a few miles from my house here. Nice. And um, I knew one of the women uh, who works there, one of the executive team leaders from high school, and they brought me in while they were searching for a full-time replacement. And so I got the opportunity to learn mm -hmm. all about this development world and learn about grant writing mm -hmm. and help those people who the staff members that is um, really start to kind of build a stronger foundation for going out and securing increased donations and financial support for their organization. Wow, and how different did you find that from like the marketing component at a newspaper or like at a media place, right? To compare it to a nonprofit, like what they're needing. 
Yeah, you know, at least from my perspective, I felt like there were a lot of similarities, right? I felt like, you know, when you're talking about basically selling event sponsorships, right? When we were having in-person events, right? When I was there, they were getting ready for their big annual gala. And we actually got that in at the end of February, right before everything got locked down. Um, But really just this idea of selling, I guess I should say like an intangible Mm-hmm. very similar to advertising sales. Cause when you're selling advertising, you're selling, you're not selling a widget, you know, you're not selling something, you're selling yeah. a concept. You're selling the idea that you're going to reach people, that you're going to influence people um, in order to have them purchase your product specifically in the case of advertising or mm-hmm. visit your store or whatever it may be. So I really found there were a lot of similarities and that I could relate a lot of that, but, you know, I really likened the, um, certainly the event sponsorships. I mean, that's, um, much like selling ads, we would sell sponsorships of different, you know, sections or products as well. So I thought that there was a lot that I could draw upon in working with them for the short time I did, I really learned a lot and I really, um, believe that I helped them a lot as well. Um, and we oh, also yeah. worked by the way on hiring there with them too. Mm-hmm. That was another piece of what they had asked for my help with because they felt like they weren't really sure, right? How to hire a lot of people, by the way, this is not unique to nonprofits. Right. A lot of people who are in the position to hire other people don't feel like they know what are the questions I should ask? How do I know if somebody's really good or isn't really good? Right. Yeah. So that was something I worked with them on because I've got a battery of questions that I've developed and used for over 20 years in interviewing and that have served me so well. So I worked with them not only on the development piece and the grant writing piece, but also on the hiring and talent acquisition piece for mm-hmm. their organization. That's huge. I mean, I, th- I see with the nonprofits, one of their most underdeveloped areas is HR a lot of times. Right. So they might be okay, like on the development side, even though that could also a lot of times use, you know, an increase in capacity as well. But they know that they need to go get money. They need they know they need sponsors. Right. But as far as like an HR thing, that's kind of like it's almost like a leisurely (laughs) concept. Right. right. Yeah. And it's like like a luxury. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah. and, And but it's such a huge decision because those people are going to drive your programs they're going to drive your nonprofit and you know it's the skill and the knowledge component that is really going to make you go forward or back right as far as your nonprofit so and once you hire someone you're investing so much into them right it's not just like a consultant even though a consultant you invest as well but it's it's not that a long term process a lot of times with a consultant but with an employee with a staff member there's fringe benefits, there's FICA, there's paperwork. It actually, it takes a process to fire them then, you know what I mean? So it takes a lot of manpower and just brain power to go about this. And sometimes it's just like, oh, okay, what's their, what does a resume look like? And that's not really the best way to base it off of either, right? So like, how do you, like, what are some of your, your tips then on what people should ask and what they should really look for, you know, in, in the hiring process? Sure. That's a great question. I think that, you know, you have to, what you just said is actually the most important thing. You have to have a hiring process and a lot of people don't have that. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I came to learn this as I worked in different organizations after leaving that, that first long-term job. And um, even in my last job at Comcast, I realized that when we were doing interviews for candidates, you know, I had a process 
Mm-hmm. And I trusted that other people, other managers who reported to me had a specific process that they went through, but I kind of came to realize, oh my gosh, everybody's kind of doing their own thing because yeah. it's not something that people get trained on no matter what mm-hmm. business you're in. So going back to job one, job mm-hmm. one is you've got to have a process. So that mm-hmm. means you've got to know what questions you're asking and why, mm-hmm. right? Um, what's the, you know, what's your intended outcome? What's your goal with this question? I think a lot of people are just like, I don't know what to ask. Here's something I found online, Yep. right? Like I said, I developed these questions over 20 years that I um, wrote myself or, and researched myself to just kind of get a handle on what do you want to know? So to answer your question a little bit more in depth, then what do you want to know? Well, you want to know some general things about them, kind of like what you did with me at the beginning of the podcast today, right? You're giving a little bit of an overview. So you do a little icebreaker. Mm-hmm. You certainly want to ask them things about, you know, tell me about where you went to school and how, how you chose the university that you went to and how you chose your major, right? That yeah. gives you some interesting insight and gives you some stories and helps the candidate loosen up. So spend a little bit of time with them, mm-hmm. just kind of um, asking them questions like that. Tell me what interests you about this position. That's an important question. Why are wow. you interested in this role? Um, And before I even go further about saying what you should ask them, what's really important is that you listen when Mm. your candidate is talking. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, much like when people go on job interviews and they're the candidate, um, people can, and sometimes even as the interviewer, some people, when they're uncomfortable or nervous, they do a lot of talking, right? Mm -hmm. They don't do as much listening. And what's hilarious about the organization that I consulted with was that they said, we're terrible at hiring. We, like, as soon as they got somebody in the door who they thought had a good resume, to mm-hmm. your earlier point, yep. they were ready to hire. They were yeah. ready to hire like a warm body, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. They were ready yeah. to just hire somebody. Sorry, my daughter's like crawling behind us. <laughs> love it, I love it. Um, so I think that, you know, they recognized this was a shortcoming. And when I sat in on interviews with them, I will say that, again, I I didn't really notice this in my corporate days, and I don't know if this is unique to nonprofits. Your your listeners will certainly know, and and maybe you will too. They spent way too much time trying to sell the candidate on their organization instead of interviewing the candidate Mm -hmm. and finding Mm -hmm. out about the candidate and about if they were a fit or not for their organization. They spent so much time talking about, well, here's what else is great, and here's what else we do. And they didn't really... Want, didn't spend enough time focusing on that candidate and really assessing if the candidate was a fit. Oh my gosh, that's such a good point because I've seen that so much and I've been guilty of doing that as well, right? Because I just, I had HR thrown on me for a while. And this is the other thing too. A lot of times there's not an HR department. So they throw it on just like a manager of some sort. So I was the grant manager. Sure. Oh, you wrote the grant, hire the people for the grant you wrote. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, and it was just kind of like telling, and then it was kind of thinking to your point, well, they should come in knowing about what we do. I want to know what they know about us, right? right? You know, and how, and not that there's uh, necessarily a right or wrong answer to that, because it's not like I'm going to drill them for trivia, but what kind of messaging is out there and how are people interpreting what the nonprofit is about, right? So just to hear it from that component as well. 
was interesting. Yeah, they, they should come in prepared. And so yes. I think that's another thing that you're looking for, right? To mm -hmm. your point, they don't have to have, they can't, shouldn't be expected, I should say, to have a super deep level of right. knowledge, right. but they should have been on your website yep. and they should have be able to reference, you know, if I ask them what's interesting to them, I love when people say, you know, well, here's one thing that's interesting. And I went on the website and when I read about your mission or when yeah. I see the, the populations that you're serving and the work that you're doing, you know, those should be things that they can easily articulate in an interview um, mm -hmm. and help you to understand that this person isn't just looking for any job. They're yeah. looking for this job and that they actually feel a connection to it. I mean, those are going to be the best candidates, right? Um, yeah. Who are going to perform the best are those who really have a genuine interest and a genuine passion for whatever reason, whether it's a personal connection, right? Maybe they have a, in the case of, um, you know, the organization I was working with, they were serving a population um, with uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so some people would come in either knowing somebody with that specific disability, whether it was a friend or a family member, um, other people would say, well, I, I don't know somebody with that disability, but actually I have a relative who has a completely different disability, right. but I just relate to the idea of this. And I know what it's like to live in a family where this is present all the time. Right. So you could really see those personal connections. Um, and again, that's not a requirement. Other people are just really empathetic. The woman who works there as the development manager now, her number one strength is empathy. Yeah. So yeah. And she absolutely loves working with this group, despite not having a personal connection. So obviously mm -hmm. any number of things can work in these situations, but as an interviewer, it's really important that you are thoughtful and intentional about what you're asking, why you're asking it so that you can do an assessment. Mm -hmm. um, so the other thing I would suggest to people, you know, is when I talked about having a process, like having a specific list of questions that you ask mm -hmm. every single time. Mm -hmm. So that over time, if, if these are good questions, like I had a battery I used and I switched it up and eventually landed on like this group of about 20, 23 questions. And um, I loved them. I loved the information I got from them. So those are the ones that kind of made it into my final cut. But what's been amazing over 20 plus years of using them is that I have like this uh, mental database Mm -hmm. of good answers and bad answers to each of these questions. Oh, it's very easy for me. Yeah. You get like very the common, easy. you're like, oh, I see where they're going, right? <laughs> yeah, or oh, okay, that's not good. Or okay, yeah. hey, that's great. You know, yeah. like, or that's exactly what I was hope, what I hope for when I asked this question. So mm -hmm. if you can have some consistency in your process, mm -hmm. in your organization, you know, even if you divide up the, um, the responsibility, like you said, of, of interviewing, if it doesn't fall on one person, if everybody's busy, maybe each each person asks certain questions so that you don't repeat and each mm -hmm. person asks something that's in their specialty area, whatever that might be. Um, but it really is important to have a process because if you have a process that you follow consistently, um, I do believe over time, you get the benefit of that, right? Maybe yeah. not day one, but um, in a year, in, in a couple of years, it just continues to grow and build the benefit of having that system that you yeah. use every single time. Oh, that's great. And, and when you do, um, so interviews, do you just request for a certain formatted resume or do you just any resume, like a cover letter? Like, what are you really looking at for that, those types of documents? 
you know what? Um, in my corporate jobs, we really never asked for cover letters. That was yeah. not a requirement for really many. Now, a lot of places it is a requirement, though, and mm-hmm. I think uh, in nonprofits, it is more of a common thing. So mm-hmm. you should expect to have um, a cover letter um, that you're prepared to offer up. If anybody ever asks you for one, my guidance is always that um, you should provide one. So if mm-hmm. you as an organization are asking people for that, um, you should expect that people will provide it and really talk about what's their interest, right, in this yeah. organization. But yeah, I didn't have specific formatting of resumes. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I would like a more traditional one that is uh, that is in um, chronological order, not mm-hmm. like a functional resume. Personally, I prefer that because usually employers in general are looking for what's your most recent experience? Does yeah. it relate to the current role? Um, and then, of course. In a, at the bigger picture, what's the full kind of uh, picture of your experience and does that relate to the role? Right. So like a two page traditional kind of, because that's yes. the other thing. I, I feel like sometimes a lot of employers ask for things and then it's, you know, they're hunting for somebody, but are, what are they really, are they reviewing those? Are they really looking at those? You know what I mean? Like what are, what's kind of something to help you pop out a little bit too? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as like, if you're handing in a resume, is it, you know, I, I feel like people try to be whimsical sometimes and that doesn't really connect because there's people that are just looking through a bunch of resumes and they just want something simple. Like, you said like more traditional is actually better. So like, can you kind of speak on that a little bit from your experience? Yes, I'd love to actually. So I will speak to briefly the resume format, something I I don't recommend. And it's kind of what you're alluding to there is, you know, there's a lot of resume templates available online now. And one place where you can find them is Canva and Canva Mm -hmm. is their resume templates are really very busy with graphics and there's not a whole lot of room for good content. So I don't recommend that you use those and photos like photos to me are not appropriate on a resume yeah. um, for a variety of reasons. Actually discriminatory practices would, would indicate that you do not want to put a photo on a resume and you right. do not want to receive a resume that has a photo on it. Because if that's something that um, consciously or unconsciously you're um, reviewing and evaluating, that's not a good thing for anybody involved. So, mm-hmm. you know, a traditional resume, but when you talk about how to stand out, you know, mm-hmm. what I point people to, and this is a really great question you asked, because the way that you stand out mm-hmm. is not anything you do with the printed resume outside of having one that's well mm-hmm. formatted, right. well written, right? And Very a well written cover letter, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But once you do that, once you submit your resume, the next thing you should do, the thing that you can do to stand out to people is to go around the systems and, um, you know, around the resume submission systems and go to the people. So instead of dealing with technology and trying to figure out how do I get around the system and how do I get my resume noticed? The way you do that is by going person to person. And you do that through LinkedIn. So I teach my clients Ah, mm -hmm. how you do that is you connect with people. So let's say I had applied for a role with you at your Mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. I would And let's say I thought it was a perfect fit. I'm a grant writer and oh my gosh, you want a grant writer and I'm amazing at grant writing Mm -hmm. and everything she's got here is what I've done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would reach out to you on LinkedIn and I would connect and I would write a brief note. You're limited in the amount of information you can put in one of these connection notes, but I would say, Hey, Holly, I just applied for your role as a grant writer. Uh, you know, the, and I, I saw the role posted on LinkedIn. I think my skills and experience are a perfect fit. And I would love the opportunity to talk with you about it more. Sincerely, you know, Linnea or Linnea Alves, right? Mm-hmm. That's all I would say. 
um, that is going to give you the best chance to get somebody's attention and the best chance to kind of like be on your island, waving mm. your white flag to the planes up above, right? Mm. And getting noticed. So it's I really it's not just a, with the hiring manager, mm. go to the organization on LinkedIn. You can look up lots of things and filter lots of things and just put um, human resources in the title or talent acquisition in the title and try and find or mm. founder, whatever president yeah. in the case, like you said, of a, of a nonprofit where maybe they don't have HR, right. but you get scrappy and figure out like, if you're applying for a grant writing role, who does that report to? Let me reach out to anybody at that organization who I think might be the right person yeah, and let them know I'm really interested. That's right. the way that you stand out. Oh, I love that. I love that. And just to your point too, like um, I, I taught um, a class, uh, professional writing at the university last semester. And I actually taught them to do their LinkedIn profiles. Cause I said, you know, these were all seniors, juniors and seniors in college. And I said, you guys, your resume, because when we went to, got to the resume writing part, I said, this is going to be part of your resume, is creating a LinkedIn profile. And that's the way, like you said, this is the new way to connect personally. And the other thing, too, is to make sure your LinkedIn profile is filled out, right? And to make sure yes. it's not just like the background that's like the placeholder or you don't have your information listed or there's a bunch of spelling errors, stuff like that, right? So to make sure that they actually take their resume and upload it to LinkedIn, and if they're commenting on different um, blogs or they're posting different things, make sure it's relevant to the things that they're interested in applying to, right? So, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I don't have to teach you anything. You know it all. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's mm -hmm. exactly right. Yes, having your information filled in, copying and pasting it from your resume into LinkedIn, not just having a title there. Because, yeah. by the way, you know recruiters, hiring managers, when I was a hiring manager, and I'm sure this is the case for some, you know, folks at nonprofits, again, because they don't have HR support, I would go on, even though I had HR support, it wasn't really support for me directly. It was a big company. So mm -hmm. I was always looking for my own talent. So I'd go on LinkedIn and search for people who were selling products and services that were um, really good training grounds or really relevant for what I'd be hiring for. Oh, nice. So I could uh, find talent as yeah. well. So it is important to have all that information there for sure. Yeah. So they can see you, but yeah, I love that. That's the way to get noticed, not to have flashy graphics on your resume that look, it looks beautiful, you guys, but that's not the best place. That, that's not the information that hiring managers are looking for. Um, so I love that going around that way. So as far as like another way that people can um, not just stand out, but going back to kind of like what you're talking about is the talent pool now kind of on the other side for the people who are looking for, to hire. And especially during this time, there might be a lot more that talent pool has widened because of furloughs or that sort of thing. Do you feel like that's necessarily true? Or do you feel like it might just seem that way because those people will still get back into their old jobs once the you know economy is kind of restarted or you know they're not really looking for full-time work right now because they have their kids home or whatever like how can you kind of speak to that a little bit yeah i mean i certainly think that there's no question that there's more talent out in the marketplace so it's more competitive right mm -hmm. now absolutely mm -hmm. um i mean the last projections that I looked at said that, you know, all jobs won't be coming back um, after mm -hmm. this, right? Mm -hmm. Or if they do, it'll be a pretty long climb to get there. Oh, a yeah. lot of them will, a lot mm -hmm. of them will, but there is going to be a contraction of job mm -hmm. opportunities. But what I will say is that if you are a candidate who has clear 
branding, right? On your resume, on your LinkedIn profile. And to your point, you're posting or engaging um, in your area of expertise, whether it's grant writing or development, Mm -hmm. and you're really um, connected to a lot of people, by the way, on LinkedIn, build your network too. That's another thing. Make sure that you don't have you know, a small number of connections, mm-hmm. um, you want to broaden your network as much as you can and you control that. So you can absolutely build that there. Um, but really that is um, so very important, right? This, this whole ecosystem, if you will, of, of LinkedIn and, and managing this process is important. So, you, you know, if you're in a certain discipline, Mm-hmm. really being engaged, really knowing what your skills are mm-hmm. and articulating those clearly on a resume on LinkedIn um, helps the hiring manager, right? If mm-hmm. I'm looking for talent and it, that also sets you apart to your point. So having graphics doesn't, but having great content and talking about um, what are the benefits that you bring to an organization? So if you're somebody who's looking for a job, right? Mm-hmm. You would want to say, here's what I did. And here's the result or the accomplishment that it delivered for the organization. So in the case of grant writing, it's, you know, I wrote grants amounting, you know, like amounting to X uh, Mm -hmm. in this year. And it was, uh, you know, plus, you know, 15% year over year, something like that. So you want to be specific about what are you bringing to the table? Because again, as a hiring manager, then I can see "Hmm, if she did this there, that means she could probably do it for us too. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of just what you did, the benefit it brought to the company. So I love that. And then how would you, going back to the, the LinkedIn, you're saying build your, your um, connections. What is kind of a good base for the number of connections? That's a great question. Um, I would, you know, LinkedIn has kind of set this informal, um, you know, target for everybody of 500 connections. Now I know some people will freak out and go, what? That's either, I don't know, 500 people. I can't do this. Um, let me tell you, you for sure can, because mm-hmm. what I want to remind you of is that LinkedIn started 15, 16, 17 years ago, something like that. When it started, it was very much business to business. Like I would have never reached out to you, right. Yeah. You know, on LinkedIn, yeah. if I didn't know you, that just wouldn't yeah. have happened. Well, these days, LinkedIn is much like other social media. It's very social. The idea is that you are connecting with people more and more. So Mm -hmm. what I want to remind people of, it's super easy to increase your connections. You know why? Because you can connect with your friends, Mm -hmm. with your family, Mm -hmm. with your neighbors, with your school teachers, with your local business people, who anybody you know, not just business connections, not just Mm -hmm. professional connections. So um, when you know, people are looking at your profile, they're not going and digging through your connections, but they do want to see that you're using the platform and that you're connected to people on the platform. So there's Mm -hmm. a quick and easy kind of um, little uh, tip for all of you that you can easily and quickly build your connections with people that you may not have ever thought to connect to on LinkedIn previously, but everybody's doing that. And ideally you want to be at 500 connections because at that point, LinkedIn kind of on your Uh, the top part of your profile, it just kind of says that you have over 500. It doesn't say the number. So Mm -hmm. as long as you have 500 plus, that looks Mm -hmm. pretty good. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. And I love the way that LinkedIn works as far as it shows your first connect connections and then it shows you like second connection. So like the people you're directly connected to their connections and then third ones. So you can see like the, the seven degrees of separation, if you will, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can kind of see that. And then I also like, um, like if I go and I say, okay, I want to go back to the university of Kent, you know, like where I went to college and see other people that I have also graduated from that same college and it'll show you that. Right. So it's really great. Just if you want to kind of reach out to a community that you feel a part of in some ways to reach all the people in that community, even if you don't directly know them. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Like as far Absolutely. as how they've got it set up, they've got it set up. So it's really easy to connect with more and more people. Right. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, if, like you said, if you use it and you start building it, it starts building upon itself almost. So it's a lot easier mm -hmm. to use, which is great. Cool. I love that. So, and then going to, okay, the back to the hiring. I know I keep going back and forth between the person being hired and the person hiring. So going yeah. to the person um, who's looking at hiring, here's one of the things that I've been seeing with nonprofits, right? Their um, projections for 2021 are much lower in a lot of cases than they would have been because like you got your gala and at the end of the year, a lot of them, they're not doing them this year. And those are their annual fundraisers. You know, they're always counting on those to bring in $50,000 or whatever amount, right? So um, now they don't have a lot of those or not having their same fundraisers. So their overall kind of budget is lower, but potentially a lot of these nonprofits, their workload might be higher because if they're doing COVID related work, you know, so all of a sudden they might need a, a have a need to increase their capacity, right? Um, but not a, an increase <laughs> in their funding. So they might want to say, and this is just, I'm talking almost personally, because this is something that we kind of looked at in one of the nonprofits I'm a part of, is to say, we need to hire somebody, right? But we don't have the capacity. So instead of advertising what we think we can budget right now, we're just going to advertise the position and see who comes in and then try to negotiate and figure out how the payment can happen. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it was kind of like mm -hmm. if we do it the flip side and say it's $35,000, then we're going to limit potentially the people who would be applying for it, right? And pigeonhole us into a price. So I don't yeah. know. Can you kind no, of speak I think to that? Yeah, no, I love that. I think that that's super creative. And I think that, you know, there's, there's other, um, you know, resources that you can use too, by the way, one I'm going to mention, I mean, I know we're going to sound really goofy, you and I, that we keep talking about LinkedIn, but there is a feature on LinkedIn called LinkedIn Profinder. Ooh, and you can I don't go know on there this. and post yeah. jobs. Uh -huh. Look at hey. that. Taught you something new about yeah. LinkedIn. I'm putting that job on um, there. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can post like, so I'm on there actually as a provider, as a career mm -hmm. coach, as an interview coach, as a resume and LinkedIn writer. Um, so people send requests in for that. And then I will respond to them. Oh, very um, cool. But on the flip side, if you're an employer and you're looking for help with something, um, you can go in, there's lots of categories where you can post an opportunity and people can then respond. So you might be mm -hmm. able to find somebody that way, but um, so that's just another little quick yeah, tip. Thank it's called you. LinkedIn Profinder. Very cool. Um, and you can and then you can put yourself on there. It, so can... my freelance grant writers can also put themselves there for available for work. Yes, you can. Yes. So make sure going mm -hmm. back to what you said earlier, that your LinkedIn profile is filled out, that it very yes. clearly demonstrates that you are an expert grant writer. Yes. Because they will, what happens is you apply through LinkedIn mm -hmm. to uh, be considered a pro. 
and to okay. get some of these okay. leads. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to look at your profile. So when I did this in June, it took them a few weeks, by the way, so mm -hmm. it won't be immediate. They're going to look at your profile. They're going to look at what you're asking to be approved as, mm -hmm. and then they will approve it. In my case, my profile was really clear. Yeah. It very much indicated. These are the things that are in my wheelhouse. And I was quickly approved and not quickly, not, but yeah. approved for the things that I requested. So yes, nice. for your freelancers, absolutely go on there and check that out because very it's cool. a great resource. Um, but I love your approach with hiring and getting creative. I think that's such a good idea because, you know, listen, there are going to be people who are unemployed who'd be like, look, you know, like, listen, when I took this role as a, as an interim uh, development director, I have my own business. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, you know, like, sure, I, a, I'd like to learn about this. And then it was kind of nice to have this steady gig for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I probably wouldn't normally have done it. But mm -hmm. it was like, I knew the person. So you know, it kind of worked out to your point. Mm -hmm. um, you never know. You never know who you might attract um, and, and under what terms and how you might negotiate it. Maybe it's mm -hmm. a six month gig instead of a year long gig. Mm -hmm. You could pay them a mm -hmm. little bit more per hour um, or pay them like for a few hours a week and they'll be okay with that because they can still look for their, another full time job mm -hmm. or whatever. So there's so many ways that you can do. That. I love that idea. Okay. So there's, there's definitely different ways of kind of looking at it with that reduced budget, but need to increase your capacity. Can you, is there any other ideas? Cause I know, I just know a lot of nonprofits are probably going through this right now. Uh, you know, I mean, I suppose you could also go down the route of, um, you know, some people like want experience no matter what, whether they're getting paid or not. Like, so I know we're in a pandemic. I know there are people unemployed, but there are always people who are also willing to volunteer. Yeah. So you might also be able to put a call out for, um, volunteers or, or create something. I don't, I don't know, um, mm -hmm. where somebody is like, look, you know, we will maybe train, maybe not train you. It's not the right word, but maybe, you know, we need help here and we want, maybe it's a small commitment of hours a week. Yeah. Now in that case, maybe Holly, you've got a number of people helping you instead of one, that's yeah. kind of a pain. But at the <laughs> yeah. same time, maybe you've got like three volunteers, five hours each mm -hmm. and per week. And now you've got 15 hours of work being done mm -hmm. instead of asking one person to do that on a volunteer basis, which right. might be a little bit much. So that could be even a very different way to do it. Um, but there's all sorts of ways in between, right. Of what right. you guys did, you know, with kind of putting it out that way uh, with, you know, volunteer with a combination of those. I think you mm -hmm. can really always get creative. People are always um, interested, especially if you could tell them as the employer, by the way. Mm -hmm. So employees, I said, candidates need to promote their benefits. Guess what? Employers do too. Yeah. So if you're going to do that and you're going to say, look, you know, we've been hit hard, let them know why are you asking for, you know, for volunteers, mm -hmm. right? You know, we're, we need help right now, right? We need yeah. support and we're looking for somebody who could give us just five hours a week. And somebody might be like, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Never know. Oh, I love that. And, and even um, I like the training component in a way or that concept, maybe using a different word, but, um, you know, back in the recession in 2008 and, you know, that's actually in 2009, that's when I went and I got my master's because I figured, oh, the job's just, <laughs> just a master right now. You might as well get 
more schooling and educated and build your skills. So then when it, the job market reemerges, then I'm prepared and I can enter it at a higher level. And I feel like there's a push to that right now too, is go back to school. Like if you don't have a job and you're not looking for a job, like increase your skills or take online courses or do something to improve yourself. Because, right. you know, when this all happens, and like you said, it's not all going to recover all the same jobs in the same way, but new things will emerge. So be ready for it, right? To well, you just brought up a great point, actually. So with this volunteer idea, there's another link to that. You know, so many people get very concerned. Um, and again, I know everybody needs to make a living, so I don't want mm -hmm. to make light of that. But let's mm -hmm. say to your point, I, I'm having trouble landing that job. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe I go to school, but also, again, that volunteer opportunity can give somebody the ability to keep skills current and yeah. keep experience current on a resume that they might not otherwise be able to. So you might be surprised that people would want to do it because they're just oh, like, yeah. I got to keep current. Yeah. Right. And so maybe yeah. it's like, maybe you can't find work right now um, and we're strapped, but we would love to give you the opportunity to work on this, assuming they have the right skills mm -hmm. and then to give them a really great review or like give them a recommendation on their LinkedIn profile, right. right? Mm -hmm. Really help mm -hmm. that person out as they're finding a job and help them network too. So there's all sorts of what's the yeah. benefit you as an employer can give to them if they come and give you their five hours. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Just coming out of the box. I love these uh, new ideas and how we can navigate this because I, I do feel like there's opportunity in what's going on. I know that, you know, it's not an ideal situation and it's a pandemic, but I think if we focus on, on just the negative, then we're going to get stuck. So we need to focus on what are options? How can we be creative? You know, if we stay stuck in fear. We don't let that creative thr creativity thrive. So let's kind of breathe and see what happens. Yeah. Right? So I love these ideas as far as we can still navigate this and, and have people come on. So when, so are there any, would you just say, so now looking at the flip side, are there any red flag indicators? Like, yeah, probably don't hire this person. Like, are there certain things that you mm -hmm. kind of see, or like you said, those trends that you're kind of like, that's a red flag for you? Let's see. I mean, I, I think that uh, what I have found is is really just, you know, one of the biggest indicators of, of somebody being a great fit as an employee is their uh, enthusiasm, their ah, energy, their uh -huh. passion, and their ability to really articulate that. Like I'm not, and I'm not saying that everybody has to be a salesperson like mm -hmm. me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm high energy naturally. Mm -hmm. I get that everybody isn't. But I also get that when I've interviewed people who might be more introverted, listen, the people, people, no matter introvert or extrovert, they, if they really feel strongly about something and can articulate it, they'll do it well. And mm -hmm. I think that it's really, um, you know, if I don't see passion or if I, if I, um, that that certainly is is something for me that that I'm like I just I don't want a warm body right like to I use see. the term yeah, of these yeah, guys yeah. the last time I just don't want somebody in the chair because I have yeah. an opening and I'm panicked to fill right. it that to me I'd rather wait I mean the other thing I think is um, making sure that you dig into their experience you know mm -hmm. I think of this nonprofit that I that I worked at um, and I would tell you that we interviewed for a believe it was a marketing manager position mm -hmm. and. Um, we had a woman who came uh, and had experience specifically at uh, Disney Radio. Mm -hmm. And the founder of the nonprofit, 
they saw Disney and they just thought that's it. We're, that's great. She's perfect. Right. But her mm. experience was as a promotions person in radio and not as a marketing person. Mm. And so when I was in the interview, I dug into that with her yeah. and, you know, so, so don't like try to like kind of slot people in if they're not yeah. the right fit, like don't mm. force a square peg into a round hole because you just don't kind of live to regret it. I know with that person, they were gung ho to hire this woman. And I'm like, she does not have the experience you want or need. I don't believe wow. to do what you're looking for her to yeah. do. Yeah. And so it was really an interesting experience to kind of try and um, yeah. navigate that with this group because mm -hmm. they were just looking to make a hire and looking at this name on the resume yeah. and reading a lot into it. And it really, her substance just kind of, in my opinion, mm -hmm. as the interviewer wasn't there. And when I questioned her on things like, well, what have you done specific to this? It was just not a lot. So wow. you have to really listen to your gut too. I think if your gut yeah. says no, mm -hmm. and, but you're trying to force yourself to make a hire, Listen yeah, to your I love that. Yeah. And at that starstruck story. Yeah. I've seen that before too. It's just, they see a name or company associated and everyone's excited about that. And yeah, I love that. No, dig a little bit further, know the questions to ask, especially for the position they're applying for. So um, that's fantastic. So we, before we close up here too, I just, I want to also just tap into your skills on leadership and coaching and just, you know, your experience as far as like, nonprofits, like what you kind of recommend in those areas, because a lot of times it's the founders who are the executive directors and they don't have the leadership skills. They have a lot of the passion and the why behind, but yeah. actually leading and, you know, even being an influencer is a different thing, right? So like, how can you kind of talk to that and maybe some skills to develop or ways they can develop more into a leader, if that's possible? I <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, right? That depends. I think it's funny what you described is exactly what I saw at the organization I worked at, right? Yeah, a founder yeah. who was so passionate yep. and who founded this organization based on something that, you know, her child having the specific disability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And she is amazing. But mm -hmm. as a leader, right? She didn't, well, she also didn't like doing that, right? Yeah. And that's what was so hard. What she liked doing was helping this community, was providing support for this community. So I think mm -hmm. as a leader, you know, it, it's ideal, I suppose, if you can really take a step back and get an assessment, you know, whether you know, somebody maybe who's a third party, who's more objective, right? Mm -hmm. um, to give you a sense of like, where are your shortcomings or do you know what they are? If you do, yeah. then how do you address them, right? How mm -hmm. do you um, make an effort to do that? Cause it's hard, you know, when you are a founder of a, of a, a nonprofit, when you're the founder of your own business, mm -hmm. listen, I, I work with some people part-time and, you know, just had a conversation with, with one of my part-timers today, because I feel like I'm not doing a good job of communicating with her all the time because I'm too busy. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah. a good yeah. reason. It's the truth. Yeah. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's making time. Probably the most important thing you can do as a leader, mm -hmm. the most important thing and the easiest thing and the thing that you can definitely do, I don't care who you are, is you can make time to mm -hmm. meet with your employees and uh, in a productive way, right? Okay. So making time to... Um, like whoever your direct reports are, mm -hmm. having one-on-ones with them, right? Maybe they mm -hmm. have some structure, even if you can only spare, you know, 30 minutes for each meeting a week, 
-hmm. connecting with your team members. And also, of course, in the world of nonprofits, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's hard. I, I came to learn like a lot of people have very romantic notions of nonprofits. Oh yes, oh sure yes. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, and and so a lot. And the reality is, it's a hard job. It's a hard job. Yeah. People are wearing many hats, lots of demands. So appreciating your people and identifying the things that they're doing well and reinforcing those and making mm -hmm. sure that you provide feedback when people aren't, you know, are off the mark, um, but constructive feedback that's not emotional, right? That's not, yeah. um, that's not tinged with emotion, but that's really with the intention of everybody getting better. If you can mm -hmm. create that culture where everybody gets better together, yeah. including yourself yeah. um, as a leader, I think people really respond well to that. Oh, I love that. I love just like that inclusion and the conversation. And then also like the listening, going back to that, even listening to your team and, you know, just get it, hearing the recommendations too, to be like, okay, well, here's the idea, here's the vision, but how do you guys feel about this? Cause you're the ones who are going to be implementing it or whatever. <laughs> like, how does it really work? Right. Or what, yeah. well, what, what holes are there in it yes. that, you know, like, let's figure out where the, where, where, where the gaps, where are the problems that, where are the problems you see with this? Yeah. Yes. Getting input, getting input, input. So important. Thank you. Yeah. That's, I think yeah, I've seen that so many times in nonprofits, the different ones I've worked with or worked at the nonprofit leaders, a lot of them, you know, the executive directors, they have a lot of vision. They are like the vision, but the implementation side, they fall really short on and they're just running vision to vision. And then the team is getting burned out and they're like, yeah. Yeah. So I love that, including getting the feedback, the input, et cetera. So that's a good way of leading. Um, and then the coaching that you do. So you do one-on-one -on -one coaching with businesses and with individuals as well to kind of, and what are the main things? Are you talking mainly about like leadership or like what, what does your coaching all involve? So, I mean, the bulk of my work to be, you know, perfectly honest is with, you know, people who are looking for jobs, right. Mm -hmm. Helping mm -hmm. them with that process. I work with a lot of people. I just spoke to a woman today who's like, I've been in the same job for 20 years. I don't mm. look for a job, but I know I need a new job. And so I need help to kind of get ready for what to expect and to be ready to put myself out in the market in the most effective way possible. So that's the bulk of what I do. Oh, I love um, but I also have done some work with businesses or nonprofits, smaller businesses and nonprofits because of my background yeah. to again, help them with primarily, you know, if they want to create a hiring process yeah. and they want to really uh, commit to that, right? Yeah. You know, okay, what does that look like? I, like I mentioned earlier, I have a battery of questions that um, I will share with my clients and say, yeah. okay, if you want a process, I'll give you my process. All you mm -hmm. need to do is use it and practice it. Nice. Um, you know, identifying what they need in some cases, doing some strategic planning and vision as yeah. well, right? Like, yeah. what are your goals? Like I did mm -hmm. at the nonprofit, it was you know, around the development goals and what processes do we need to put in place in order to meet these um you know, goals uh, day to day, whether yeah. it's on the grant writing side or the development side. And with a small business, a for-profit business, it's quite the same. You know, what mm -hmm. are you looking to achieve? And, you know, what are the buckets? You know, where, where do we need help to be able to do those? And how can we plan for that mm -hmm. and either build the team to do that and hire again properly, mm -hmm. hire mm -hmm. the right people who are going to help you move forward or, um, or leverage your current talent to right. maybe make some changes, take some different things on in order to help the business move forward, especially now when, like you said, budgets are tight. Everybody doesn't have mm -hmm. buckets of money to go out hiring extra people with. So, mm -hmm. so that's a little bit of what I do on both sides. Oh, I love that. I love that. So yeah, I mean, and especially just like 
helping people get jobs and transition, like that's so important because a lot of times I'm never sure, like, you know, if I go in for even just with my clients, like as a consultant and I'm like, okay, they're going to have these questions. I kind of know most of the questions that they're going to ask me, um, you know, especially about my grant writing skills, but like knowing how to really respond. Right. So it's kind of, I've learned that just through the number of leads and different things that I've done. I think consultants have an easier time in a way because we have those conversations more more, you know, that they're a lot more frequent, right? <laughs> it's like, we're always getting yes, hired for different exactly. things and going into these jobs. But those who've been at a job for 20 years, they haven't done it in 20 years. They don't know what the process is going to be like. So That's it right. could be very different. So I think that could be very, very helpful um, on that end. Awesome. So mm-hmm. Lene, it has been such a pleasure having you today. This has been super helpful. I love this behind the scenes. This hi- We don't talk about hiring. I don't think I've ever talked to, about it on this show before. So I think this is very, very valuable. And I appreciate your time so much. So where can people find you? Well, you can find me online at mm-hmm. um, my business name is interview like an expert. So my website is that it's just www.interviewlikeanexpert.com. Nice. Or you can find me, of course, on our favorite place, yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> and my name is uh, spelled L-Y-N-E-E. And the last name is A-L-V-E-S. Just look awesome. me up on LinkedIn. Right. And in the show notes, we also have all of the links on uh, grantwritingandfunding.com. So I'll have that specific link for you guys. So you can definitely check that out as well. But once again, thank you so much, Lene. And I look forward to us seeing each other more uh, in our other course that we're having. Too. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. I will be seeing you again soon for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll have a fantastic, wonderful rest of your um, day. Thank you so Thank much. you. You too. Bye, Holly. Bye. Hey, Changemaker, I hope you enjoyed this episode today as much as I did. (laughs) Isn't Lene awesome? I just love her energy. I love just her. She's just so measured and just has these systems every time I talk to her. Anyway, she's she's a great person for me to get to know, and we've continued to get to know each other since this um, episode, so it's been a lot of fun. So thank you, Lene, for being on the show. And once again, if you want to grab that resource that she has, Interview Like an Expert, Top 5 Tips to Boost Your LinkedIn Profile Views, please go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 153. And if you love this episode, please do leave a review on your podcast listener. That really does help other people find it. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.